0: Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of Hailing Frequencies Open. My name is David, and I am joined again by my fabulous, charming co-hosts, Mel and Carrie. Hello, ladies.
1: Hi.
0: This week, we will be covering the amazingness that is, and I use amazingness with quotation mark, conspiracy, the penultimate episode of season one. We've done it, friends. We are almost through it. Yay. Things are looking up. As we open on this episode, we are are on the Enterprise D. It is on its way to a planet called Pacifica for a scientific mission. Essentially, they're heading to Earth 2. The reason I know it's Earth 2 is because the way they describe it, Actually, a better way of describing it would be what they describe it as, which is essentially Hawaii. It's a planet that's just Hawaii. Having spent time in Hawaii, Hawaii is lovely. So,
2: oh, An entire planet that's Hawaii.
0: Awesome. I like it. So, and Riker's giving the log, not Picard, which is an interesting choice. LaForge is tele- trying to tell Data a joke. While <laughs> trying to tell him a joke, he is also trying to explain to Data why that joke is funny. Did the
2: rice a joke?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, God.
0: Data then goes Oh, yes. Very humorous indeed. Very hysterical. And then laughs in the worst canned laughter ever, which I appreciated. Meanwhile, Riker and Troy are talking. Troy's kind of flirting with him. She's just one step away from like walking her fingers up his arm to be like, hey, we're going to Pacifica. Let's make out on the beach. (laughs)
2: You must purchase Horagon first. Like, they've never
0: done that before. No, but she kind of has that look on her face like they haven't, and she Well, I
2: mean, they haven't in a while, that's for sure.
0: Right. The holodeck just doesn't cut it anymore, Will. We have to go do this in a real place. Oh, God. (laughs) Troy asks Worf if he wants to go swimming, and he says no, because swimming is too much like bathing. This is an interesting statement, being that they never revisit this, and Worf is actually pretty meticulous about his appearance and how clean he is going forward. So, this was a choice. It was a choice,
3: but you could think of it as this. he Worf doesn't like bath. And this comes up later. It's, it's very possible that Worf just doesn't like immersing his body in things because there is a scene from an episode in a later season where he is in a The mud saw bath? Like, yes, he's in a saw-like Yeah, and he is not at all happy about it so it could just Just very much be that he doesn't like ask he prefers showers
0: but you're correct it is a choice that they make to be fair the showers are sonic so easy enough
2: no immersion so that's good and you see i think for the first time in voyager how the sonic shower actually worked
0: except it doesn't make sense but we'll get there when we get get there as they're chit-chatting away all of a sudden data goes we have a code we have a Code 47. A
1: code. I like a code.
0: Choi, <laughs> because why would anyone know this in the audience, very smartly goes, oh, for comp- Captain's Eyes only. I appreciate that, because yeah. what relevance is Code 47 to me? Riker reads... Apparently rings.
2: not to even Riker. He's like, how do you know what a Code 47 is? I I don't.
0: <laughs> for the first time in this entire series, all the rest of the head office, senior officers on the bridge, Picard is asleep in his quarters. <laughs> oh,
2: and his nice jammies. <laughs>
3: this,
0: yeah, this and this never was weird.
3: This was weird. It made me wonder if he maybe hadn't been feeling well. And that's why he was asleep in bed. Everybody else was up. Because if everybody else was, including Troy, was still at their spot on the bridge, then it was clearly still work time.
2: Still day shift.
3: Yeah, it was still day shift, hours. So my thought was maybe Picard wasn't feeling well, or maybe he had pulled an all-nighter. That's why well, he was in bed.
0: Maybe he's slumming it with the night crew. Possible. <laughs> Picard wakes up. He wakes up remarkably quickly. Uh, I know no one that wakes up from a sound sleep this way, so well done him. Most everyone I know when they wake up, there's a good 25, 30 minutes of just like, what? Huh? What's Unless happening? You really, really have to pee. Oh, That's yeah. Different.
2: Throwing covers and running.
0: Picard talks to the computer for a bit, who authorizes him through voice print. Uh The code 47 message appears and it's Walker Keel, who we are led to believe, based off of Patrick Stewart's acting choices, this dude matters. If he'd made the wrong acting choices, though, and still tried to pull this off, this wouldn't work and it barely worked because we've never seen him before, nor has he been mentioned. So I have no idea why he matters.
2: Trying to find out throughout the episode a little bit of why he matters to him I, and Beverly.
0: I'm merely talking about just this moment. just this Because moment? Yeah. he's cryptic as fuck yes, in this is. entire conversation.
3: They, yeah, but they explain why in the next couple scenes, why he matters.
0: Right. I'm merely referencing what's happening right this second but full well, to carry
3: we do not comment on the straight up sexy that patrick stewart is giving in this scene
0: Oh, with the open
3: rope? we have <laughs> chest and leg, chest and leg, and like not even like subtle, like almost to the belly button, full hairy chest and and we don't get a long glimpse of the leg, but enough leg to know that he works out. You you can, According, let the me attraction. L- I'm I'm gonna just say it for Carrie because she's she's a.
2: I have a thing. I have a thing. Patrick me.
3: Stewart, Captain Picard, could get yeah. it.
2: Yeah. Carrie. I mean, I mean, his current wife is exactly my age, 37. Really? There's still a shot. This
1: is weird. I'm
2: like reading um, my <laughs> mind on that I was just like, are we going to mention uh, the open shirt and everything? David, I know
3: David was trying to like speed past that, but we I had to bring him back to it. So I had to I we wanna, couldn't be, we couldn't just move past it like it didn't
0: happen I want to point out one thing we criticized the original series fairly heavily for their overly like how the women dressed very singly and sexily and everywhere and the men didn't mm-hmm. in Next Generation the women still dress like that a lot but they made up for it because the men also dress like that yeah. a lot of the time yeah. hence the planet where Wesley got in trouble for following and falling into a bush
1: oh my Oh my God, they
2: should have chosen like maybe a darker color because every they, time there's like a faraway scene of those people, I'm like, are they naked? Are they actually showing that <laughs> on
0: TV? Balls out. Oh, oh. There's a lot
3: of bouncing happening bouncing. in that episode. A lot <laughs> of bouncing from all will, gen-
0: from all genders and
3: all from people. Yes, from all genders, all shapes and sizes and I do wanna say this one thing about Next Generation because I've only seen one season of the original series, I cannot comment, but for Next Generation, what I really appreciate is their off-duty clothing and or their like sleepwear the things that we see them sleep in are actually practical that's actually stuff that people would wear like nowadays i know that a lot of dudes sleep in shorts a lot of dudes sleep in just their underwear but a lot of dudes sleep in shorts they might not necessarily sleep in a shirt but some do they weren't just like wearing some kind of crazy outfit to sleep in they are a practical thing that you could see oh yeah in the future i could see somebody wearing that
0: right oh for sure and they are to be fair to to women, they do the same thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like
2: yeah, like nightgowns,
0: like when you see women sleeping, or other genders, or non gendered people, they're wearing comfy clothes. Yeah. It's not like when Deanna Troy gets out of bed, she's she gets out of bed in like this amazing gown that's like slit up to the thigh, and you know, she, she just gets out, and you're just like. Wow! Yeah. You really do just wake up and have it. Well done.
3: I mean, yeah. And I like that they're not just like in some regulation Starfleet pajamas.
0: Yeah. I will point out that they continue this into Deep Space Nine as well. It's just like, oh, when you wake up, you're wearing comfy clothes.
2: Hell yeah wearing
0: comfy clothes. Um, There's a tense conversation between Walker Keel and Picard, who, as I mentioned at this point, have a whole lot of information. It's weird more than anything else, but he wants to meet Picard at a mining colony on Dictalics B. Picard keeps questioning and questioning and questioning. It doesn't really get any answers other than he says that they must meet face-to-face and all this other stuff. And I have to say that I disagree with Picard's command decision at this point not later but right now he literally yeah. doesn't have enough information to just blow off starfleet and go do what he right wants. agreed the only reason he does it is because old friend of his asked him to well if starfleet works like this then no one would get anything done because everybody would just be like hey i need a favor come meet me 12 quadrants away from where you're supposed to be okay and Are starfleet would again? be like starfleet would send out orders and be like hey can you go to the neutral zone Oh, I'm actually like two weeks away from the neutral zone. Why? Oh, because I was doing a thing for this guy. The starship is not your person, right? (laughs) But that aside, Picard's like, okay, cool. Even though you've given me no information, go into Dittalix B. We then get the opening credit crawl. I'd like to point something out in this opening credit crawl. Tasha Yar is mentioned. This is because she's dead.
3: (laughs) Yes. I noticed that too. And I was like, well, I hope they paid her for her name to be in the opening. I hope she got it yeah. check.
0: I have no idea. I'm just like, I'm baffled as to why it's here. I'm more baffled that they did a complete remaster of this episode and they didn't take it out. Oh, I
2: don't
0: know. I kept looking for her in this episode. Like, I'm just like, maybe she makes, like, a, maybe there's some weird, like, maybe there's a picture of her. Yeah. That's
2: what I was thinking.
1: Maybe like, Data, Data turned on his little picture thing.
0: Maybe Data changed the voice of the computer in his room to her voice. I don't, like, I don't know. That would be cool, but. Because I haven't um, seen this episode in a minute, but none of that happened. Spoiler alert. No, so it's just no. weird.
2: Someone had a job to do and they
0: didn't do it. They fan. so Out the airlock. <laughs> right? So Picard uh, arrives on the bridge and he goes, Data, what do you know about Dytalex B?" He goes, uh, well, it's a mining colony, which is essentially what he says. He uses bigger words and it takes longer, but essentially what he says is it's a mining colony. Picard's like, cool, we're going there. And Data understandably is confused, as is everyone else, but off we go. He then makes the peculiar announcement that there's going to be no record and no communication of the chains and there's no communication with Pacific. Riker rightfully is just like, say what?
1: But Captain.
0: <laughs> but he, he, he doesn't answer any questions. He just goes into his ready room and all the senior staff are just like, um, this is weird to me because almost in every other episode, Riker would have marched into his ready room and demanded to know what was going on. Yet that didn't happen. Right. Hmm. right. It's like, this is cool. <laughs> I think it was, honestly, because Picard
3: is, there's only really, as far as I can remember, been one Another instance of Picard shutting everybody down and just giving an order without explanation. In that instance, Riker did follow him in, but I think that maybe from that experience, Riker learned that when Picard gives an order like that and just shuts it off, he's not supposed to go in there and try to get an answer. He's just supposed to follow that direction. And if he is, and Picard will give him an answer if and when he feels he needs to.
0: Fair enough. I just was more just like, oh, they're all. All just kind of taking it. Okay. Next thing we know, we are at Datalix B. Worf announces that there are three other ships there. Uh, two are frigates, and one is another starship. He says they're all ignoring him.
2: We don't
0: want to tap to uh, him. <laughs> uh Picard asks if people have been down to the surface. Worf says yes. Picard's like, great, we're going to beam there. So Picard goes, oh, and I'm going by myself, which also triggers Riker, rightfully. However, he did not nearly protest enough, because captains, no matter what their order is, are not supposed to just beamed down by themselves without some sort of Security. information beforehand well they can do it but there needs to be like a conversation beforehand that conversation right. never happened and since nobody on the ship knows what's going on the fact that Riker didn't even for like if I was Riker I would have been like I would like it to be known formally in your law that I am not okay with. right but he didn't even do that no He's just like all right <laughs> What
3: I found actually interesting about this moment is Worf didn't start walking towards Picard. Because as I get, I mean, I know that Picard's not supposed to even go down to a planet without anybody, without, like he's not even supposed to do it. He's supposed to send someone else. But the fact that Worf didn't even make the assumption that as security, he would be going with the captain and like even start to move in that direction. He just stood there and then looked at Riker after Riker question. It, and Picard again shut it down. That to me was what got me because Worf, the minute somebody said if if, if it had been Riker and he was like I'm going down to the planet or I'm taking on a away team, Worf would have started walking. So maybe everybody was so shocked that Picard was going by himself that nobody knew what to do, which also, was odd. But still, I think Worf would have inherently just started walking that direction.
0: For sure. Also, I'm fairly certain this was another reason Yar had to die because. There's no way Yar would have let him leave. No,
1: hell
0: no. She'd been like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "I'm beaming down." She's like, "Not without me, you're not. <laughs> It's
2: like I don't
0: get. There have been a huge fight seven. about it. Riker's probably restraining her so that she's not like jumping onto the tele- onto the teleporter. Um, I could see her doing that, right? Uh, so Picard arrives on a sound stage. Um. That looks similar to every other soundstage planet they've been on this season. Uh, I appreciate in future seasons that they do better at covering up when it's a soundstage. Uh this time, not so much, but I understand it because it's the first season, they don't have the resources they would have later. Uh so we're at the we are at the entrance to a mine tunnel. Then all of a sudden, Walker and two other captains who are introduced as Trilas, Scott and Rix appear. There is a long conversation where they are confirming Picard's identity um they then okay. start telling suspicions of a conspiracy with reaching to the highest levels of starfleet command bam, bam, bam. however here here's the problem still at this point of the episode they don't have any proof not a list
3: i would like to take this moment to give a shout out to michael berryman who is the character actor who um is i think he's green in the scene blue. oh he's blue, blue. Um, this man is is has a very has a very unique look facial look therefore throughout the 80s he got cast in a lot of different things and he pops up in a lot of movies that I watched in my childhood oh yes, and it's kind of like hey I know that guy you know just because he was in a lot of different things and so shout out to him
0: for sure and even though he's on screen for very little time um, he does the best he can with what he's being given Picard I think is brilliant in this sequence because he bends the most of this questioning and and questioning and questioning and you really believe that he doesn't believe not fully. Um they do ask a question and I actually thought that this was a great answer. They're like card haven't you noticed things are different in Starfleet Command and he goes well no not really but we've been like furthest reaches of Federation space so we're not really talking to Starfleet Command. I love that answer because there's no way every ship is in constant communication with Starfleet all the time. No they got shit to do. So when they're like oh you don't know and he goes no but why would I? I'm way the hell over here doing diplomatic things. I'm supposed to be in space Hawaii. Why am I on a rock? (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, basically
0: so they then tell him you know Keel says he, he suspects his first officer and his medical officer apparently the only sign of the change is a loss of long term memory okay, okay. Mm-hmm. he they tell him to like just keep his eye out and keep his guard up Rix says keep your guard up but he says it in a very like creepy way and it's like are you going to try and murder him I expected that to be the next sequence It's like keep your guard up Picard turns to people away and he just shoots into in the back or something but that <laughs> didn't happen so it's just like I don't know what's happening here
2: it definitely had that feel to it
0: so Picard goes back to the Enterprise D and decides that the first crew member that he's going to tell about all this is not Commander Riker but Deanna Troi
3: that actually makes sense to me mm-hmm. fair enough Deanna's the sounding board mm-hmm. yeah so I mean uh, so so is Riker but to a different extent control control. and I think at the end of the scene he explains exactly why he didn't tell Riker and he
0: told Diana. It would have made sense to me in later series because at this point there just isn't that connection yet. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little weird that now for like the first time he's like, oh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna roll it by Troy first. But I get what you're saying though. Like that makes sense, especially as we go further into their relationship down the line. It's just like, oh, it's less suspicious later. Right. Like, oh, well, he's just talking to whoever this or that or um. Well, yes.
2: Yeah, he knows that. Um, you know, since she's a counselor. She can't reveal anything that he says. Patient confidentiality and all that stuff.
0: You know, you say that, and yet I'm fairly certain in future episodes she very legitimately tells people things that they have people other people things that people have told her about those other people.
1: <laughs> That's, that is also
2: true. So, but the
0: theory is sound.
2: She <laughs> I mean, needs to, need to take an ethics class.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, Counselor Troy, I need you to tell me everything you know about Captain Picard. Here's three pounds of chocolate. Okay. Well, when he <laughs> was a child, he did. Yeah. Um,
2: In Pau <laughs> France.
0: <laughs> right. Um, he says that he believes Keel and trusts him as a friend, even though he's violating Starfleet regulation. Again, this is a very weird sequence because at this point, there's no proof of Jack's shit.
2: Yeah. So you're not violating anything yet.
0: He did. He violated oh. his order to go to Pacifica.
2: Oh. And they right. didn't
0: bother to tell Pacifica that he wasn't coming. They just. Fucked off um that's that's
2: right that so is.
0: picard decides before he really goes to look into it going to have re- data review starfleet directives every single one for six months this makes sense because data can probably review it all in my two hours yeah, six minutes <laughs> while data is reviewing sure.
2: i can't remember what his uh computational speed is
0: it's much faster than what they actually are appearing on the screen in this particular episode but that's fine uh mm-hmm. so he's reviewing the records in the ready room uh picard comes back out of the bridge and like all right let's go back to space Hawaii let's go so forge puts in the coordinates and off they go however no time passes at all and on their way to space Hawaii Worf says there's a disturbance at a nearby sector okay cool uh riker begrudgingly says we're not going to space Hawaii now are we it's like we sure aren't and so it's they- <laughs> me sorry Picard's- Picard is genuinely heartbroken he's like yeah unfortunately not yeah we're
2: not going sorry so the disturbance uh, this-, this disturbance is more important Important than your libido. <laughs>
0: so, Worf shows when they get there, they bring up the disturbance. The disturbance appears to be a bunch of shiny, weird, flat objects floating in space.
2: Space debris.
0: Yes, which Riker goes, it doesn't appear to be natural. No shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Really, Riker?
0: Really? Really? Um, Worf continues to actually analyze them, and basically he says that, uh, based on the volume of the debris, it could only be the Horatio. Fair enough.
1: Uh-oh.
0: Um, there's no bodies inside the wreckage, so, um, on the plus side, everyone on board the Horatio probably didn't suffer. Nah,
1: probably
0: not. Um, so at this point, uh, Card now believes everything that Keel has said. And at this point in the episode, I'm right there with him. I mean, there's no reason not to um the ship
2: in destroyed this is when Everyone's he gone.
0: finally tells Riker what's going on he kept Riker in the dark a real long time <laughs> i um, don't
2: think that's fair <laughs>
0: no um so he tells him about it in the observation deck uh he says that it reminds him of what admiral cruden said to them earlier that year um yeah data sh- says he has found stuff during the set past six months there's been a great deal of uncustomary reshuffling of personnel, usually in the command areas of a select number of star bases. Uh, furthermore, the new officers have had a great deal of contact with the highest levels of command. Um, Data hypothesizes that the reorganization are an attempt by hostile force or individual to control important sectors of Federation territory. Uh, Good job, soon, Data. Well done. Well, Picard immediately goes, all right, to Earth. <laughs> yes, All right. Um I would like I just to a little i love
3: I data so much so much i love him just in case I, agree with that. I hadn't said that in a while i i love him so much also shout out to the computer for basically telling data to shut the hell up
0: <laughs> yes i love that
3: that was hilarious the computer basically did what everyone else on the ship has done to data which is shut up data thank Thanks. you we're th- talking
0: so we get a captains where Picard says it's unusual for starships to return to Earth. Is it? No. Because I see them fairly frequently throughout the um, history of Starfleet. They're
3: built there! Probably without being expressly, Summoned.
0: yeah, called for.
3: Um, yeah, that that's probably. Um, and considering where they were,
0: they weren't close to Earth. No.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, also, so this is another sequence that doesn't make sense. So the Enterprise enters the orbit of Earth. They are contacted by three, two, three admirals, two of which are random and we've never seen before. Uh, they also don't tell us what their names are. Um, until later mm. but initially they're all just kind of like sup
3: <laughs> no they introduced themselves did they yeah, yeah. Uh, the Vulcan Zavar and then Aaron or Aaron and then Quinn yep The so Vulcan okay. in the middle introduces
0: everyone fair enough however what I said earlier does still stand essentially the gist of their initial communique with them is just like so. so you've cut
3: they all are acting like they're high yes, yes. Yeah. But, like, but like on like they're all they just smoked up some weed yeah
0: they also for a starship that's supposed to be in base hawaii and is instead in real hawaii is a problem and that an admiral would that would be literally like and they would be much angrier mm-hmm. uh, and they're all just kind of like oh it's cool you know we not that we're never upset or sad to see you but you know what you doing well, as mel said it's like you're high well, yeah um
2: like, that's not normal behavior from these admirals
0: <laughs> it becomes less normal because as they're talking um card asks if he can come down and have a chit-chat. Vander Remick appears.
2: Mm, everybody's favorite.
0: The admirals go, the admirals go, the admirals go, we need a minute so they cut off communication. The smartest person on the bridge is Worf, who's just like, I don't like any of this.
2: <laughs> right you are, Worf. <laughs> well, everyone
0: else is like, oh, we agree, but we still have to investigate. Do you? And if you do, why did you job. not send Data down? The parasite can't infect him and I almost guarantee you that what we find out later with how strong the parasites are, he would still be able to take them.
2: Hell yeah!
0: Probably. Um, well,
2: I, I, as... my money would always be on Data. Data or Worf in a strength contest.
0: Well, as Worf is telling them that he doesn't like it, randomly the view screen turns back on, and it's the admirals again. And they're like, oh, cool, Picard, Riker, you can come to dinner. What? Um, Quinn then says, equally weird, well, I'm not going to come to dinner, but I'd like to come hang out on the ship. What? Wow. <laughs> Um, i guess so
3: (laughs) this is when the episode for me just goes completely off the rail oh yes but it's at this moment
0: that um i'm like what what the hell is happening so uh as but just before he beams up we see him open a suitcase like device and inside is a weird purple weird slug creature thing um he just kind of looks at it and closes it and commander Remick comes in doesn't see it um and it's just like are you ready to beam over and he yeah, sure um quinn lands aboard the ship and what they mentioned earlier when all those captains met um, on the mining rock is he bluffs his way through references of old times um saying that his perceptions of a threat to the federation was merely a metaphor for the tumultuous process of assimilating new species into the federation picard immediately go mentally goes bullshit <laughs> um
2: that's my captain.
0: So Riker tells Quinn that his regular accommodations are have been made available to him. Regular accommodations? We've seen him one time. Well, he, he has a regular accommodation. What do you room? mean, regular accommodations?
2: <laughs> he planned on visiting more often, but he got
0: busy. If anyone deserves regular accommodation in Next Generation, it's Locks on a Troy. She right. She shows up constantly. She should have a room on standby with her name on it.
2: Right. we never see
0: Admiral Quinn again after this so no
2: we don't don't
0: talk to me about his regular <laughs> accommodation so quinn walks away Riker and picard stay behind and chit chat walking the other way he tells Riker to keep a close eye on the admiral he's going to go down to dinner uh also he wants him to make have crusher make up a reason to give him a medical scan so what mel said earlier about the story starting to go off the rails at this point it's still on the rails for me
1: it, It's because teetering. i'm like
0: it's teetering but what picard is saying isn't there's nothing wrong with it, mm-hmm. like because what else are you gonna do? Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. like, how else? What are you gonna do? Uh, Picard beams down and meets Rear Admiral Saver and Vice Admiral Aaron, um, as well as Dexter Remick, who just happens to be there, it's just it's always around, uh, and much like what we said in the original series, when we talk about them beaming into basically vacant hallways, uh, Starfleet's main hall, Starfleet Command's main hallway is vacant and it's the middle of the day.
2: Which Picard is like, hey, kind of quiet around here. What's up with that?
0: And I love that Remick answers and he goes, oh, it's just a quiet day. What? <laughs> what
2: sort of answer is that? There should um, be a million cadets running around the halls.
0: Or walking or, you know, doing whatever. Uh, we then cut back to uh, the guest quarters on the ship uh, Quinn Riker comes in and talks to Quinn for a minute and Quinn's like oh I wanted to go see Dr. Crusher but since you're here uh, maybe I can show this to you
1: mm-hmm.
0: Riker because he's doing the Starfleet thing he goes oh well what is it And Quinn's like, oh, it's a superior form of life. And Riker questions why they never heard about it. And he goes, oh, it was found on accident by a survey team. And, you know, it's a weird conversation. And and Riker's behaving as it's a weird conversation. However, because Riker is inherently curious always, he continues to move closer and closer to him.
2: But Um, yet he's still like What's going on? I'm getting
0: a weird feeling. Riker trust says, that, man. Riker goes, <laughs> get the fuck oh, out of there. I should get a science officer. Quinn grabs his arm so he can't move and says he doesn't like a science officer. He likes you. Weird. Um, there is a very brief struggle where Quinn beats the shit out of Riker.
2: Mm-hmm. Puts him right through glasses.
0: Says a very creepy statement. Mm, vitamins does wonders for the body. <laughs> <Ew>.
3: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to my favorite segment—the part of the episode where we get to see the stuntman in the edit. Yeah,
0: And it is when. <laughs>
3: Quinn then goes on to kick Riker's butt all over the room but it's not the actor playing Quinn no 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 it is his stunt double this young vivacious man whose face we get to see they don't even hide his face we just fully get to see this man's face Mm -hmm. it's amazing Mm -hmm. it's great (laughs)
0: This becomes less and less as this series goes on. So we will have less and less of pure joy from Mel because of the fact that it's the clear stunt double change. Um, because Riker obviously is using a stunt double for this as well, but mm-hmm. it's you can't tell the difference. Cause they at least got someone the same height as him.
1: Yeah, yeah. you can kind of tell a little bit. Body
0: type.
2: Yeah, it's pretty close. But like I could tell, because you could get like a side profile shot and you're like, oh, that's not him.
0: LeVar's stunt double looks exactly like him, though. When LeVar comes running in with Worf, uh, Quinn says, oh, he tripped and hurt his head. Uh, LeVar comes up to him and goes, shouldn't we wait for, and Quinn throws him through a door. Literally yeah. through the door. The door is closed. Yeah. Bro- The door and Jordy is now unconscious in the hallway. Yes. That's fair. He did just throw him through a metal door. Right. So, not only should he be unconscious, he's probably got broken ribs. Yeah. Yeah. Along with maybe a fractured spine.
2: Pro-
1: like didn't he grab him by the arm and
0: just yeah so threw, yeah just threw it with like back first into the door so i'm like Ow. there's a lot of injuries if you're being thrown directly through a metal door um oh. so he's unconscious uh quinn looks at wharf and tells him it's between now it's between him he gets to fight a klingon Apparently, he's Kill always your wanted warrior
1: to. Spirit. <laughs>
0: um, Worf lands significantly more punches than Riker did, and they also actually seem to do damage. Yeah, but Quinn beats Worf's ass. Yes, um, I mean, yes, he does.
1: Worf Worf
2: is, is good and really strong, but this thing that's in Quinn, good lord.
0: And to be fair, unlike Riker, Worf is not unconscious.
2: No. Quinn, no. no,
0: When who should save the day but Crusher, who phasers the fuck out of Quinn.
3: Let's be, let, wait, <laughs> let's, let's clarify. Dr. Beverly Crusher Not to be confused with the Crusher who always seems to save the day, Wesley Crusher.
0: Who isn't in this episode.
3: He's not in it at all.
2: Wesley would have died.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs)
2: Quinn would have killed him. So,
0: uh, so after phasering Quinn, I think at least three times. On kill. uh, On kill. He is just unconscious. Yep. Uh, Crusher's doing some scans. Quinn really is Quinn. Um, however, she and Worf find a weird wiggly thing coming out of the back of his neck.
2: Alien butt probe!
0: I don't know what It, it might be its mouth. Uh, if it has no. to breathe.
2: I think... Th- <sighs> what... <sighs> I think we have like a cat dog situation you know that cartoon <laughs> where i don't know why this was I, a cartoon
0: i do but i don't want to
2: but yeah okay so it's like a cat and a dog joined together um yeah weird so this creature that they come to find out they take him to sick bay and do all the scans and the creature has attached itself to his spinal cord, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, brainstem. So it's um, caused Quinn to have heightened adrenaline like all the time, which is why he was so strong.
0: I would reference it to essentially Quinn, his body, like, his testosterone and everything get tuned up to the level of like what a bull shark has yeah because a bull shark has like the reason they're so hyper aggressive is they've got like five thousand times the amount of testosterone as a human male damn right um so it's essentially doing that where it's just like i am now the top man Mm
2: -hmm. you have to Um, go through kind of thing so, like like a supreme alpha.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we go back to Earth. Um, the two admirals are busy trying to, I believe they're trying to be subtle, to try to explain to him how there's no such thing as a conspiracy. Uh, they are not subtle. And their explanations are stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, the arguments just aren't very good because all they want to talk about is conspiracy stuff why you want to take it away from there so that you're talking about other things it's like oh let's talk about vulcan
1: okay don't need
0: let's talk about vulcan right but you want to change the subject If you're trying to make him not believe that something's going on, but instead that's all they talk about. Mm -hmm. So again, as Mel pointed out earlier, this episode gets further and further away from the rails as we go. Also, these aliens have become less and less intelligent because for a while they're doing a really good job. And then when you get to here, you're just like, what is happening? Um, Yeah. They also know the Horatio is destroyed, which isn't that unusual, but they already know what caused the destruction, which they say was an implosion due Mm -hmm. to the negligence of their captain. Well,
1: (laughs) that's not
2: really what happened because he said that he was suspicious of his first officer and one other. Medical. medical. So they probably already had the alien probe thingy, and obviously it's like, he knows! Blow him up.
0: So Remick reappears again and announces that dinner is ready. Dinner
3: has been served.
0: The admirals (laughs) say that their verbal sparring with Picard has made them hungry. Verbal sparring? There's no verbal sparring. It's just you just trying to convince him that there isn't a conspiracy by just talking about conspiracies. <laughs> um,
2: they exhausted themselves.
0: So Picard <laughs> Picard takes a moment. He taps his combats, trying to contact Riker. Crusher answers um, as Riker is unconscious. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry,
2: Captain. Uh, Riker's unavailable right now? He
0: just goes She asks if she can speak freely. Picard, knowing he's in a bind, goes, I don't really have a choice so go ahead (laughs) Where's he (laughs) going to go? Go? Where's he going to go?
3: There's no place for him to go He's stuck in that
0: room So she tells him about the parasite that took control of Quinn and all his brain functions The spike at the back of Quinn's neck appears to be a gill which helps indicate those who've been taken over uh, she says she can't remove the creature because it would kill Quinn. Uh, she also tells Picard to set his phaser to kill rather than stun, which has little effect of the creature as its host. Picard, rightfully so, says you don't beam down into Starfle- Starfleet headquarters unarmed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... Why would you? She. Well, you're not supposed to
3: but um, he's got a boot,
1: right?
3: Put a knife in it. (laughs) And here's the thing though, even though I think Picard, even though Picard, Picard believed that there was something going on, I don't think he really understood that these three were involved.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Right, And then he meets Quinn and he's like, okay, maybe it's just Quinn. I think in his rational brain he was not willing to fully count out everyone as being part of this thing. So he didn't think that he should take a weapon because he's probably thinking, I have to have at least one ally in Starfleet.
0: Fair enough. Um,
3: Riker, on the other hand, like, fuck that. I'm shooting anybody I can.
0: So, Picard then goes in to dinner. Um, One of the admirals say they don't stand on ceremony here, so there's also a random security guy in the room.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Riker sits down, uh, or Picard sits down, and there's this great reveal where they take the little plate off the top of the little bowl, and they are being served mealworms.
1: Yummy. Uh, a
0: favorite dish of lizards. Uh, people mm. can eat them. Like, there's nothing wrong with eating them. Like, they're a good source of protein. Um,
1: yeah, but as
0: all of these actors do, so all of these actors eat a fairly considerable amount of mealworms, except for uh, Patrick Stewart and Riker. Um, everyone else <laughs> goes to town. Um, he gets up to leave. Uh, he runs into Riker. Riker's like, oh, where are you going? And basically forces him to go and sit back down. Uh, one of the admirals runs over and sees that he's got a. The thing sticking out of the back of his neck. However, the difference is, is that the thing sticking out of the back of Quinn's neck moved. Yeah. The once again, of Riker's neck is just a little pointy piece. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, Riker's acting is so good though that they don't question it or think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Meanwhile, Captain Scott arrives and she also has been infected and she was infected the whole time. So they talk about how they're incredibly patient and they just let him come to them. Um, they talk of the plan that they to infiltrate the Enterprise D. Riker moves to eat worms, but instead he pulls, pulls out his phaser, shoots the security guard. Uh, Captain Scott shoots it Shoots her phaser at Riker. Picard grabs at her arm, throws off her aim, and Riker shoots her as well. However, what we do discover is Admiral Saver being a Vulcan, uh, Vulcan net- neck pinches Riker. Apparently, the aliens don't know how to do this because, unlike everyone else that's been Vulcan neck pinched, he is not immediately unconscious.
1: That's true.
0: Which is weird. Yeah. Being that he would be Siever would be significantly stronger than him, so not only should the Vulcan pitch potentially not work, he should have shattered his collarbone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the Vulcans are really strong too.
0: So Riker would have basically been in a lot of pain, laying on the floor at this point. I'm not saying the rest of this episode wouldn't have happened the way it would have, or the way it does. I'm just saying that he wouldn't be able, he shouldn't be able to use his arm.
3: Um, um i didn't point this out earlier because i was so busy talking about michael berryman but um when we're first introduced to um what was her name again captain, captain scott captain scott they noted that she was the youngest to ever been promoted to captain and i would like to take this moment to say suck it Kurt." <laughs> that is a black woman and she outdid you. Ah,
1: right,
2: she did.
0: Um, so at this point, Picard shoots Saber, Um. Who, you know. He's
2: like, ow. And then runs away.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, the other one runs off. They run into the hallway to try and catch him. Uh, he shoots at them. Um, he's a terrible shot because neither Picard or Riker are hiding. Uh, they both shoot him and he falls down, either dead or very unconscious. Why was guess- there a phaser burn on the wall? That was my question, too.
1: That's my question. That it that was m- said to kill.
0: That really nice painting on the wall should have a hole in it.
1: It should. It, it really should. And, uh... and It should at
3: least be crooked
0: now yeah. i again like we pointed out earlier when this originally came out i would totally have forgiven it. Mm-hmm. you know lower budget don't have the time it's been remastered though mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like people have gone back over this
2: i think the yeah. most like remastered part that they did is like when those people got shot the little thing came out of their mouth and started mm-hmm. crawling away
0: which is why I think they died.
2: Yes, because Quinn they be a, didn't. Right, and we were, the creature, the little creature, no, died. the humans, no, no,
3: no. the hosts, the
2: hosts. No, like they did get the one out of Quinn. No, but, but what we're
0: saying is, is so when Quinn is unconscious, the yeah. creature didn't leave.
2: Didn't leave his mouth.
0: Yeah, but the ones in Starfleet, they do. Which Mm -hmm. leads both me and Mel to believe, if I can speak for you, Mel, that those people are dead now.
3: Okay. Yeah. Well, also, they would be dead because they're not stunning them. They're shooting to kill. Yeah. But it would make sense that the parasite would leave the host body if the host body was now deceased.
2: Dead. Yeah. Or injured beyond their capability to heal. (laughs) Right.
0: Um, so the thing falls up, comes out of his mouth, uh, goes under a door. They come in, uh, there's a great picture of cubes on the wall and the universe, and Remick is there pressing some buttons.
2: Oh, he's in that weird chair.
0: He's in the weird chair. And ladies
2: and
3: gentlemen, this is when I stopped looking at the screen.
0: So, uh, Remick says, what can I do for you? Uh, they see the little thing going towards him, Riker's going to shoot it, Uh, Picard doesn't let him, crawls up Remick and enters his mouth. He swallows it and he's just like, we don't mean you any harm, we just seek peaceful coexistence. Picard and Riker shoot him, the head that you see explode is actually a cast of Paul Newman's head filled with meat.
1: Ew! <laughs>
0: what? I'm not sure why it's a cast of Paul Newman's head, but it is. Um,
2: I was like, I don't want to do the casting. thing.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, Remix chest cavity begins to dissolve and a creature is in the middle uh, with several parasites trickling behind screaming. Looking disgusted, Picard fires on it, as does Riker, uh, vaporizing the creature, leaving several of its babies, I guess, just uh, around the chair and the floor, and the decapitated smoldering remains of what was Commander Remick just just sitting there. I want to know who cleaned this up. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: because the next thing we see is they're on the ship. So I'm wondering if Picard's like, you know what? It's best if we just leave.
3: We'll I always leave
0: pick a- it as they left. We'll just leave a note. But I dear, have so many questions maid- about the end of this episode. Me dear maid Dear maid service. Sorry about the mess.
2: No, no, no. There's no maid service. This will fall to a cadet that has pissed off one of their
0: teachers. Right. Yep. Um, So now we're back on the Enterprise D. Um, He says it's strange because he's taught to respect all life and then having no choice but to destroy it. Uh, Admiral Quinn makes a full recovery. Huzzah! Uh, The death of the mother creature inside of Remick led to all the other creatures dying, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Riker reveals that had made a fake gill for the back of his neck in order to fool everyone. Um, Data comes out to tell them about the message Remick was sending uh, and he says, well, it's a like a homing beacon sent from earth to a part of the galaxy. We haven't explored yet. As we go into the end credits we get the same electronic beeping we heard when Remick was at the computer console. I would like to point out, before we go into further thoughts and answering questions, that this would have mattered more if they bothered to revisit it at any point in the future.
2: Which they don't.
0: <laughs> Which they don't, so I don't care. Hmm. Um, I might have had it being watched this the first time, but having watched it now and watching subsequent series continue to not address it, I don't care. Um, so that is this. One thing I do want to say about this is so the original idea of this episode and the previous episode, Coming of Age, was it was supposed to be Star Trek addressing the Iran-Contra affair. Oh. However.
3: I already had a headache and that just
0: made it worse. However, uh, Rick Berman and a bunch of people all said no. So that's why what they set up in Coming of Age is not what happens here. Because between coming of age and this. Because when they wrote coming of age, they didn't know what this was going to be. Because it hadn't been written yet. And then they changed what they were doing, which is why this episode is weird and makes no sense. Okay. Mel, you get to go first. Questions, ratings, concerns, thoughts. All right. So...
3: I'm going to give it a five. Um, The thing that gets me about this episode is it could have been brilliant. And here's how. It could have been more than one episode. It could have been a legit two-part cliffhanger it could have been it has it the the story has the potential of being a season finale cliffhanger they could and i understand and i actually like that they um they put in the line that you know picard says we didn't we haven't had any contact with starfleet command because we um we've been on the edge like we haven't there's no reason for us to be in contact with them because we've been on the outer rim and we're doing what we, what we got to do. But it would have been interesting if along the way, they were encountering others who were getting weird orders from Starfleet when they went to different bases or whatever and they heard of something ha- like rumors or innuendos because people talk and s- somebody would have heard something that would have been like a nice little intrigue of like to pepper throughout even wesley going and doing his um his entrance exam There could have been something in there like Starfleet being on something kind of weird going on with Command. And I think that the story was too big for one episode. Basically what happened was it was this long drawn out kind of thought piece until we get to Earth. And then it went from going 20 miles per hour to 100 miles per hour. And then it was over. And why Remick? That actually makes zero sense. That Remick was the person who... It just, it it makes no sense. I would have liked it if they had developed the series, or excuse me, developed the story into more than one episode and given it the time that it needed to be a really good, I think it could have been a really good story. And then all that to say, why say there was a beat sent out and then never to it ever. that, That makes absolutely no sense. Even if you were going and you couldn't fit it in. It's not like there haven't been five million other Star Trek shows that you could have fit it in. Could have fit it in Deep Space Nine and had them randomly run into them on wherever they were on there on the on the on the on the growth insects way to to Earth to run into them in, on these deep. I'm um, not Deep Space Nine. Voyager.
0: So, I will say, the arc was continued with these creatures. However, only in books.
3: See, okay, that's done.
0: Uh, I will also tell you that apparently, these creatures—they're called bluegills—and the mother creature is apparently—I'm not—I couldn't find where this started, but apparently, it is wildly known now that essentially it is a evolved version of a trill. What? The symbiote inside of the trill.
2: Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, but like... So... Bigger, angrier version of it?
0: It's a, yeah, it's a mutated version of it. Um, Also, apparently, according to the books, these parasites cannot infect host trill.
2: So then they go after the humans instead. Yes. Mm. Okay. And I do have a question.
3: This is yeah. a question that I've always wondered from when I was a little kid and first saw this episode. Um, they pretty much killed every senior admiral and leader in Starfleet. Whether the, ad- whether the admirals killed them over the months they were in these Things were in charge of them, or and combination of of um, Picard and Riker pulling a butch and Sundance and then killing everybody. There's no one left. I know Quinn is left, but he shouldn't. They need to fire him. You're retired. Go go live in a cabin somewhere. You old fart. We can't trust you anymore. So now we just have Starfleet Command just rudderless because there's no one left
0: so that's interesting essentially
3: they had to rebuild starfleet command
0: the upper echelons of it and they never talk about
3: it again they never say anything about it again
0: so which is weird i will tell you that there is one time in the future of next generation and no other series where this conspiracy is brought up once when? A drumhead episode with Admiral Nora Satie. Because um, by the time they got to that episode, because in Next Generation they weren't worried about continuality, they say that she is the reason why they were able to uncover the conspiracy.
2: That's what they were referring to? This episode?
0: Uh-huh. Again, they didn't really start caring about continuality until like the very last few seasons of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine specifically.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mel, did you have any further thoughts?
3: No, I am done thinking.
2: Sure <laughs> enough. Carrie. Okay, this episode was weird. Obviously, all over the place. Weird aliens. So my question is: Okay, if this thing is in fact, in fact, like a mutated uh, trill, then those were little trill babies.
0: I'm not. I don't have an answer for you. I'm merely telling you the information I was able to uncover.
2: Okay, so
0: to be Perfect. fair, I'm fairly certain that the way it sounds is that they had to come up with whatever this creature was, mm-hmm. and the convenient out was making it a mutated version of a trill.
2: I mean, I guess I can kind of see that with the way it looked and everything, but when I saw it, it reminded me of um, the one episode of Next Gen where Alexander comes to stay with Wharf and those two weird creatures in the, um, oh god, what was it, the little zoo that they had or whatever it was. Um, apparently they were a bonded pair of endangered species i can't remember what they were called um but that's what it looked like to me because they had the mouth like that thing had the mouth like three pincers uh kind of thing going on um but anyway um, what i was gonna say is like that scene in particular i think um is the first time in Star Trek where you fully see someone explode and they show it. They're actually showing it. And it was pretty gross (laughs) for Star Trek. I'm like, and watching that as a kid, I'm like, ew, that was kind of gross. I mean i I grew up watching horror movies and stuff with my dad so it didn't affect me in any way but it did gross me out because now now that i know what it actually was and they blew up meat and (laughs) a cast of uh, paul newman's head uh, it's like okay now it's even grosser because now if i watch it i'm just looking at it i'm like ah meat Meat pieces everywhere. <laughs> ah, so the, that's the unpleasant bit of that episode, and then of course, for the pleasant bit for me is seeing Picard in his uh, uh, jammies. So <laughs> I give that a ten. <laughs> <I heard it.
1: laughs>
2: but the episode itself, I would give probably about like a four and a half now because it's like mel was saying it just doesn't make sense after a certain point and we don't get closure with the beeping and the the message that got sent out or like okay are there more host-like things in other people um did it come from the gamma quadrant did it come from the delta quadrant it's like how did it get here and where? Where from?
0: Nothing. So, one further note uh, this episode won an Emmy for outstanding achievement in makeup.
2: Oh, for the head explosion?
0: <laughs> Which, if you keep in mind the time period, that was pretty
2: good. Yeah. No. No, you're right. Yeah, like being 1987, that was pretty good.
0: So I have mixed thoughts on this episode. So I want to give Star Trek credit here. I believe they tried to pivot this and try and make like a horror movie, a horror episode. However, I think they fail because as we pointed out, The beeping at the end is supposed to be like this really poignant thing which again, if I think about it in the terms of when you saw it it probably was at the end of the episode when you hear the message beeping as the ship is sailing away. But having never gotten any follow through or any sort of conversation about it, that ruins that. So the horror element is done because it's supposed to be spooky, it's supposed to be like and they do this better in later episodes as far as making like a spooky episode or a creepy episode or something like that. Um, the performances in this episode, I don't care. Um, Worf is fine. Michael Dorn does the best he can with what he's being given. Uh, Writer and Picard are kind of dumb. And data is data. I mean, Brent is still figuring out how to play the character at this point. Um, it's we will not accept it, any data slander. I'm not slandering. I'm just saying he's the, the character. The character is being figured out. Um, so to me. This episode. I'm going to give it two different ratings. If I saw this episode in 1986 when it originally aired or 1987 when it originally aired. I would say that this episode would probably be a seven or an eight probably. Okay, so it 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 first aired in 88 so Yeah, I would give this like a 7 or an 8 because it would be really impressive for the time period and they'd be trying different things and it would be different stuff. However, seeing it now, it doesn't hold. It's more just kind of like what the hell is this and why is it this way and what's going on, you know, with there being no follow-up, you don't care. You don't care. So, yeah, now I give it a four. I give it a four. Um, if you have to watch it, go ahead. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't mix well. It's interesting because in reading reviews from other people to, before we got to do this, there's a real mixed gamut across the board of what some people are like us, where they just don't like it. And there are other people that think it's a must-watch episode. I don't understand those people, but that's their opinion. Great, I'm glad that you really got something out of this episode. Mm -hmm. I just didn't. And it sounds like, Carrie and Mel, you didn't either. Well, on the flip side, potentially that means next week, maybe we'll get something more out of the series and one finale, the neutral zone. Because I know I'm excited because we get to see Romulans for the first time since the original series. So tune in next time and see us talk about the first appearance of the Romulans as we review the Neutral Zone. Have a great day and remember to keep your hailing frequencies open.
2: Good night. Bye.